conference tonight. We are delighted that you came and to be with us and um, looking forward to tonight's service. I, I have been um, so deeply impressed with the Word of God and my thinking over the last two nights. I have appreciated this very much. Love the good praise team and being with us and what a delight that they have been. And uh, we're just going to have a good time tonight. Just don't worry about anything more than just enjoy yourself. And um, let's give God all the praise and the glory and the honor. And uh, we'll just see what the Lord's going to do. I, I'm confident that he knows how to put it all together and make it the very best. Amen. Great to have each and every one of you with us tonight. And uh, as we normally do, I'm just going to have a few moments of prayer. I do want to remember Jessica Jones, the young lady that needs uh, prayer for her body desperately right now. I uh, want to remember uh, uh, several that have been in accidents and things going on. And I just want to know if there's anybody that has a particular prayer request before we go to the Lord in prayer. Yes, David. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Well, why don't we stand and um, <clears throat> prayer is one of those things you can never weigh or measure very well. But um, I truly know when I've prayed, when I've got my heart connected with the Lord, when I've really given the Lord a chance and I, I've been able to talk to him. And so doing this before service is very important because that allows us to be able to get our focus on all that the Lord is going to do. But we always start with praise and worship, and that's uh, wherever you're standing, wherever you are, if you want to move around to pray, you're welcome. There's no, there's no policy here. But we love to start off by giving the Lord praise because he is worthy. Amen. Would you do that right now? Lord, I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord Jesus. Oh, from the rising of the sun.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I wonder tonight if there's anyone that would like prayer before, even before we had the first note on the piano. Our God is here in this place. Amen. I think he loves people that are reaching out to him and desire to know him. And I think it's his, uh, if I can say privilege, I don't mean to say that we earn or anything or deserve anything, but I think God wants to bless us. I think he wants to help us. And um, sometimes it just comes down to you have not because you ask not. But, so every time we have a service, we try to say that if there's a need, we want to be a blessing to you and pray with you. Amen. I'm no magician. I'm, I can't even tell a good story very well, but, but um, I do know a God who wants to be here tonight. Amen. I'm going to do one thing differently tonight. I'm going to take up our offering right now. Um, I want to thank you for anything that you give to the kingdom of God. And I just know that whatever, however all this works, the Lord will take care and help us. But I do want to thank you for everything that you've given to the kingdom of God. And um, please be seated for just a moment. Brother, Brother John, if you would pass this offering, thank you for doing that. And uh, I just want to say that tonight, yes, one moment we're going to pray for Sister Dinah. Tonight after service uh, in our fellowship hall, which is the building right next door here, we're going to have some pizza and, and a few brownies and things, okay? And um, everyone is invited to come and be with us. And it's just going to be a great time to have fellowship. Uh, we have a team that came up from Las Cruces, New Mexico, to, to just be a great blessing and praise this week. And uh, Brother and Sister Foster are our pastors down there. And uh, we've asked them to preach the message. And so we're so delighted that they are, are here tonight. But we just want to have a little bit of fellowship, find out that God's people are the same, whether they're in New Mexico or in Oklahoma. Amen. And so please come and be a part of that. Sunday morning at 10, we'll have our, our snack chat, is what we call it, right over here in our fellowship hall. We're going to have uh, some good food, and, and we also have a great Bible study that we can talk about and communicate with, ask questions. And then when we're through with that, then we come back in here at 11.15 on Sunday morning and have a great time of worship and praise Amen. and preaching. Amen. So we want just uh, invite friends, invite people to come out. We want to have a great time. So do that come. Brother.
Let's praise and worship today. We're going to sing a new song today. Come on. Wanna sing a new song? Come on. Shout it out louder than before. Let the whole earth sing. Let the whole earth sing. Come on, church. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We give you glory today, God. We thank you for bringing us here today, for giving us a new song. Oh yes, oh yes, there is a place, there is a place, we can seek his face, changed in his presence, touched by his grace, well there is a sound, there is Power to save. Power to 
for that new song aren't you thankful that he's our strong tower you know last night we talked about freedom we sang a lot about freedom and you may be wondering why we do it's because we've all been freed I was talking to Omar on the way over here and I went through a time in my life where I didn't know if I was going to make it through it. And a lot of people didn't know, but I was in a very bad place. But I'll tell you, I sing here today because freedom showed up in my life. He's been my strong tower. And I remember telling someone, oh, I don't think I'm going to make it. And they said, oh, well, you just keep on going. And it was dark. And I told Omar today, it was one of the darkest times of my life. And I thought, God, if I can get through this. Right. And as I grew, and as I moved forward, and freedom started to show up in my life, I'm now grateful for that time. I'm now grateful for that dark time of my life. Because let me tell you, now I can speak to it. I can say, I understand. I was there. 
I was there in that moment where I needed a strong tower, where there was a place, I needed to get to a place where freedom could reign in my life. And it wasn't a nice, easy thing. But I'll tell you, when you get on the other side of it, then you can start turning and saying, I'm here to minister to you. I'm here to minister to you because I went through that and I found freedom through God. He came and gave it to me. So I'm going to tell you, we sing about freedom and we get excited because everyone on this platform has been through something. And it's been rough. And it's like, I'm not going to make it. But let me tell you, there's a strong tower. And we're going to sing about that place. There's a place where freedom can be found. And that's what we're going to sing about today. We're going to sing that freedom can be found. You can get rid of your chains. Oh, come on. Some of you need to catch on. Oh, yeah. Do you believe it? It's in the name. There's a shelter. There is a shelter. With joy and peace abound. It's in the name. Yes, do you believe it? It's in the name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. A strong tower for me. Oh, yes, the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. A strong tower for me. I run to and I'm safe. Come on, do you believe it?
strong tower. Come on, we're going to sing it again. I'm running in, yeah. I'm running in. Shout it from the rooftops. Yes. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you do in my life every day. I thank you, Lord, for showing me truth. Oh, yes, Lord, Oh 
going to tell you that we're going to make a time right now for you to come forward. If you need something from God, we're going to tell you that it's here for you. No situation and no circumstance is bigger than our God. And if you don't believe that, that's okay. But I'm asking you tonight that you will trust that. And I'll say it like this, if you don't believe it, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose to come up here and try it. Now, if you know it's here, then you know that your situation can go away. God can take something terrible and make it something beautiful in your life. Make it a memorial that you can minister to other people with because he has won the victory. He's already done it. So I'm going to tell you that if when I said, if you have a situation, you said, no, not for me. I'm going to tell you then, that's all right. Come up here and try it. You're not going to lose anything. I'm not telling you you have to give $24.99 to God tonight to get what you need. I'm telling you that you just have to take a step of faith. And God's going to show up in your situation, in your circumstance. And you're going to see it every single day. I tell you because I've lived it. So I'm going to say it again because I really feel it tonight. If you don't believe it, try it. Here's your free trial. So I'm going to tell you that if I wasn't holding this mic and I was right here, I'd be down there. Because I need something every day. So I'm going to ask this church to come. If you're nervous, take a friend. It's all right. If you don't have a friend, grab a stranger. Everyone's loving here. They'll go with you. But I'm going to tell you, he's won the victory. He's done it all. It's already done. All you've got to do is possess it. God, I pray that you will move in this place. God, in every person. That you will reign in their life, God. That you will show them that your victory has to be had. Oh, yes, hallelujah, Lord. Come on, church, let's pray. Pray with us as we sing. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
what he can do for you. No one compares to what he can do in your life. No one can take that place. And I'll say one other thing. No thing can take that place. I'll tell you that if you're not getting what you need, it's here. There's people that will pray with you. Because no one no thing compared. No thing or no one could take the place. And when he's in the right place in your life, everything else falls into the right order. 
And I'm going to tell you this tonight. When you put him first, your family falls right in there. So if you tell me you're going to put your family in front of God, that's wrong. You put God first because no one and no thing can compare and everything else is going to fall back in. Oh, yes, no one. Come on, church, sing. No one compare. Beautiful, beautiful, that's what you are to me. Beautiful, beautiful. 
beautiful in every way. You are wonderful, wonderful. That's what you are to me, Jesus, Jesus. song that can focus your attention correctly. Amen. And then there's nothing like preaching that can establish and change and help us in ways that we never knew even what our needs are. I've been awed and amazed this week, just the fresh, the fresh word, just a course over my heart. Amen. I'm thankful for that tonight. And uh, thank you for being here. I pray that you'll Come back and be with us in the future. And uh, to our praise team who came all the way from Las Cruces, New Mexico. That's a good 12-hour drive. Uh, I understand it's in, a, in, a, in one vehicle, which uh, all that should tell you right there. It's, they had to have uh, prayer, amen, to, to not kill each other. Uh, and I'm so thankful that they came. And I just want to thank them for stepping out and being willing and, um, and I believe the bigger author of all this is God, yes. that he, he orchestrated this. Amen. Amen. And when Brother Foster called me and offered me $5,000 to let him come and preach, I, I didn't know if it was God or not. I thought, you know, I just thought, uh, no, you all know I'm joking. <laughs> Brother John taught me how to do this. <laughs> he comes up here and, and in five minutes gets all of his jabs in really well. He's really, uh, I do want to clear all that and just say we are so thankful for Brother Sister Foster. And I want Brother Foster to come and um, tonight to minister the word of the Lord, the word of life. That's what this is all about, the word of life. And um, to each and every one of you who are here tonight as guests, Thank you for being here, and I hope that we can uh, entice you 
to come back and be with us again and, uh, and enjoy the wonderful time of the Lord. Brother Paul, would you come? And everybody say praise Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated for a little while. I just want to review a little bit, bring us back up to speed where we're at before we go on. Amen. Praise God. And um, just let everybody know that hasn't been with us um, when uh, I have this really strange thing that happens to me when, when God speaks to me, he always speaks to me in questions. I'm telling you that when when Brother Erickson had requested that I came and I was so glad to pay that $5,000 <laughs> just to be with you guys. And so, uh, so I started praying, and as I was praying, the Lord asked me a question, said, what is the anatomy of a revival? And I thought to myself, I don't know, do you? And he began to work with me and began to direct me through uh, the anatomy of the, the uh, of revival. And that's what I've been preaching about, these uh, kind of a systematic approach here. We preached the first night on all in. And it, that's a term that says when you have a winning hand, when you have an unbeatable hand, you don't throw two chips in. Now, I'm not talking about gambling. I'm talking about commitment, that when you know you have an unbeatable hand, you are all in because you cannot lose when you have an unbeatable hand. There's only one reason people do not go all in when they have an unbeatable hand. They don't believe they have an unbeatable hand. And everybody say amen. And so the second night, we talked about after all in, the second night we talked about the Holy Ghost and fire, about providing God the material that he can burn, not to destroy you, but to change the composition of that inside of you into something that is beautiful to him, that he wants to change the composition of your people who have done you wrong, the hurts that you have. And he takes that which is in the past, all the pain. You know, people, I'm going to say it again, people can be vicious. They can stab you so deep you think that the knife just didn't go into your heart, went through your heart and out the back. Your, it just, it's just people, are just sometimes people. They can be the most vicious people. But Jesus can take the most vicious thing that somebody has ever done to you and turn it into victory for you. But you've got to give it to him and let him burn it up to change the composition from hurt to help. Aren't you glad God cares for you that deeply? Then tonight, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about once you, once you go all in. There's a lot of people in the world that are already all in, but don't have the Holy Ghost. 
Somebody's come along and said, you don't need that. You're all in. You're okay. But no, all in brings you. It prepares. You become a candidate for the Holy Ghost when you're all in. And people that are not all in are not good candidates. Amen. You, you got to be all in. Everybody say all in. That makes you a candidate for the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. Praise God. And once you've got the Holy Ghost and you realize God is changing the composition of your pain into that which is progress, amen, you're ready for the next step of revival. And tonight what I'm going to preach about is laying hold on God's provision. How to do it. Why people, everybody knows some people get it and some people don't. And sometimes you wonder, how come they get it and so-and-so doesn't get it? Well, I'm going to preach about laying hold of God's provision, that when you have given up that to God and he has changed in the, the composition of the things that have been put inside of you, then he starts providing you with stuff that just is so wonderful, so uplifting. He is a good God. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you when you walk in and bless you when you walk out, bless you when you stand up, and bless you when you sit down. He wants to bless you when you go forward or bless you when you go backward. He's on your left to bless you, on your right to bless you, in front of you to bless you, behind you to bless you, above you to bless you, and beneath you to bless you. We serve a blessing God. Amen. Saying some people do not believe they're blessed by God and therefore they don't go all in. So I want to I want to preach tonight about laying hold of the provisions of God and he wants to provide for you. There's something else I do uh, every time I I preached uh, here and that is I want to repeat this to you. The gift of the Holy Ghost is not the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost is eternal life. Here, let me give you a Bible for that. But if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. That's eternal life. Everybody say amen. Praise God. And so before I preach about this morning or this evening about laying hold on God's provision, I want to do just a quick synopsis here of what it means to be living in the kingdom and about being a king and a priest unto God. You know, when, you, when we're going to be reading out of Matthew, and of course when, when John wrote, spoke and started with the word, that wonderful word, you have an opportunity to change. <laughs> change the way you see things. Amen. Praise God. That was in the book of Matthew. And sometimes there are little uh, idiosyncrasies in Scripture that really, if, that if you look there, there's a great message there. And so whenever Matthew writes, he always writes about the kingdom of heaven. Mark, kingdom of God. Luke, kingdom of God. 
John, kingdom of God. Every one of those use the term kingdom of God. But Matthew, specifically Matthew, talks about the kingdom of heaven. And the reason that Matthew writes about the kingdom of heaven is because he has a first audience. Everybody say, a first audience. Here, let me tell you what I mean by that. The Bible is not written to you, it's written for you. There was an original audience that it was written to, amen? Somebody was going to receive the letter. Uh, the book of Ephesians was not written to people in Chelsea. <laughs> it was written to the saints in Ephesus, amen? That's called first audience. We're the second audience. And so it's, the Bible was not written to you, it was written for you. And so when you look at Matthew, you've got to understand that Matthew had somebody in mind that he was writing to. Who do you think it was? He starts with genealogy. Right? So-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so. Fourteen generations from this one to this one to this one to this one until the Son of Man was born, God coming into the world, and man, in the person of Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. So who do you think the audience was? It was the Jews. And here's what the Jews had in their mind. We're in the kingdom of God. And so Matthew says, here, let me make it a little clearer that John the Baptist said, Behold, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is, everything's going to change. You think you're in, but God's got something better than what you've got. And it's the kingdom of heaven. So when you talk about kingdoms, you've got to also talk about kings. You've got to have a king to have a kingdom, right? Okay, and so understand that Jesus is our king. But Revelation says he has made us, what? Oh, yeah, hey, so how about that? Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a king too. Now, in history, they had this, this way of governing to where there was a king and he had vassals. It was called a feudal system. And what they were trying to do is mirror what the Bible is talking about of having a king and then having what a vassal was was actually a sub-king. All right? So when we're talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, and I just want to try to get this out as fast as I can because we're going to talk about a king. And if you're ever going to talk, look, look at the kingdom, there is a king that you've always got to talk about. And that king is David. And David can teach you something about laying hold of the provisions of God. And so, the Bible says he has made us kings and priests unto God, right? Then the Bible tells us he's the king of, oh, wait a minute. You see, when you make him your king, and he rules over the universe, that means you get to rule over your life. Where your life was messed up where your life was undone, where you were trying to walk in your own power. When you make him king, you begin to rule and reign in life. You begin to, the circumstances don't rule over you, you begin to rule over them because he has made you a king. And as long as you have him as your king, you get to live as a king. 
Make sense to everybody? Okay. So I wanted to get that out before I ever started about this, before I ever came into the idea of kingship. And when you're talking about kingship, you've got to talk about the one king that the Bible talks about more than King Jesus is King David. In fact, the Bible speaks of him almost in so many different chapters in so different ways. Amen. And that's a marker. That's supposed to say, pay attention because David can teach you something about living like a king. He can also teach you the downfalls of a king if you're not careful and you let your kingship go to your head. So with that in mind, I want to turn to Mark chapter 2, and if you would stand for the reading of the Word, Mark chapter 2 and verse number 23. And it came to pass that he, that's Jesus, went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of the corn. And the Pharisees, everybody say ideologues. An ideologue cannot change their minds. They have cut themselves off from repentance. We're right, and nobody's going to tell us otherwise. In fact, if you challenge an ideologue, They'll double down on their dumbness. And the Pharisees, everybody say the Pharisees are ideologues. And ideologues cannot change. Ideologues are all about protecting the orthodoxy, not about being led by God to anything different than what they believe. Is that all right? And the ideologues, the Pharisees said, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Wonderful people, the Pharisees. And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was and hungered? He was hangry. He and they that were with him. How he went into the house of God in those days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful to eat, but for the priests. And not only did David eat the showbread, he gave also to them which were with him. And he said to these ideologues that could not change their minds, that could not come to repentance, he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man made for the Sabbath. You got it backwards. 
that men were not made to follow after a law of the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for men to be to, that they might be blessed of God. That's the difference. That the Sabbath was for our benefit. Everybody say our benefit, not our detriment. That's the way God works. He's on your side. He loves you. He wants to bless you. He doesn't want anything that's detrimental to you. He wants to bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. He wants the very best for you, whether you understand that or not. And everybody say, Amen. And you may be seated. Ideologues can't change even when their theology is flawed. Just can't do it. Stuck in their own world. Here's one of the ones I want you to remember when we, when we leave this place. We do not see things the way they are. We see them the way we are. But God wants us to see them the way he does. Ideologues can't do that. They can dress in religious robes, but if they can't understand they've got a flawed idea, they cannot let it go. They'll hold on to it to their own detriment. They'll tell themselves, I have the truth. Anytime you hear somebody say, I have the truth, you're talking to a Pharisee. Because truth can only be pursued and not possessed. Jesus took issue with these Pharisees, these religious people who wanted to accuse the disciples of dissing the law of God concerning what was allowed and not allowed to take place on the Sabbath. They had such a narrow view of the Word of God that they missed the very intent of the law. And that was the law was given for the benefit of men, not the detriment of men. In fact, every law, every statue, every principle, every precept that God has made always has been made with man's benefit in mind. Oh, I need to say it again to some of you that the Ten Commandments are not God's Ten Demands of this is what you better do. The Ten Commandments are the Ten Not-So-Secret Secrets of living successfully. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't... I, I mean, if you just did that, you'd be successful. You wouldn't have 42 kids with three different names. If you always tell the truth, it doesn't matter if the truth hurts. It always helps. But to lie, you just made it twice as bad as what it was. And so the Ten Commandments are not God's demands. You better do these. It is God saying, here, let me show you ten ways that you can be successful in life. 
go ahead and have you see it. So the Sabbath was made to be the blessing for man. But those religious folks, they made it into a burden. God intended it for to be for man's welfare. They made it into a weight. Keeping the Sabbath holy is one of the ten not-so-secret secrets of successful living. And without getting into all the theology, let me tell you that Jesus Christ came, and now every day is a Sabbath day. The real issue of the law was not about keeping the rules, but it was and is about God's goodness to us. I, I hear this thing about the law, how awful the law is. The law, Bible says the law is spiritual and the law is good. Because it came from a good God to help you make good decisions. And therefore, when you have prayed to God about a decision, God is good. And I'm going to tell you, your decision will be good if you've ever learned how to pray to God first about it. And so the law is good and everybody say amen. And so you understand the calling of the Scriptures to holiness is not about keeping you from living life to its fullest. It's about something that frees you to live life to the fullest. You see, understand this, that being holy means you're separated to your pur purpose in God. That's what it means. Look, look. Can, can I be so bold with everybody? Please, please don't get upset at me when I say this. It's not a set of rules. It's not about this or about that. It's about separating yourself to God's purpose. He says, be ye holy, for I am unholy. That what that means? That means I'm separated to blessing you. If you would separate yourself to my purpose, you would be blessed, 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 and blessed. don't understand this theology that says God says I'm holy so I have a bunch of rules and therefore you should be holy and follow these bunch of rules. I don't understand that theology. How's this? Is all right? I hope I, I hope I didn't offend anybody. Anyone offend you? God supplies us with provision and direction to live life to the max. He makes it possible for us to push the envelope of our calling beyond the borders of what we know into the realm of the miraculous. Oh, what a good God we serve. So in answering these malpracticing doctors of the law, and vindicate the action of his disciples, Jesus referred to them of a case recorded in the Old Testament, one they should have known about, but somehow they forgot at the time. The one where David asked for and was served a special bread made for special people. 
in a special location that David wasn't even allowed to be at. It was considered holy bread, something the Pharisees would never countenance anybody eating it but the priests. It was considered showbread, and sometimes it was considered face bread. And the reason it was considered face bread, it was right outside the Holy of Holies. Now, it wasn't there because God wanted a snack every once in a while. But get this, it was out there to remind everybody that God provides. He'll supply everyone's need according to the power that works in you. He's a providing God, and that's, that's what it was. It wasn't out there, maybe God gets hungry and he can have a snack of one of these pieces of bread. No, this is to remind everybody who went in that God is the provider. It was 12 loaves. It was stacked uh, in three tiers. And it was to remind everybody about God's provision. So David, and during David, this time in David's life, he was on the run from a guy by the name of Saul, whose bizarre behavior was because he was going mad. And Saul hated David. He was jealous of David because David was everything he was not. That's where jealousy and you want to know something when jealous? They always hate people that are something they are not. That's jealousy. Nobody really was aware of it, but the crown and the kingdom had already been passed to David. It's just a matter of time before David would put it on. It was prophetically given to him, and just time needed to pass before he was crowned. You see, God had prepared a place for David to rule as a king. Just as God provided a place for David to rule as a king, that's what it means for God to place you as a king and priest unto God. He prepared kingship for you. God is not the king of paupers. He's the king of kings. He's not the lord of losers. He's the lord of priests. You see, Kings rule, priests worship. And so David is escaping this mad king. He comes to a place by the name of Nob, and it is a suburb of Jerusalem. Nob is a place designated uh, as the place where the priests were housed. Levites were also there, and they were the caretakers of the temple. And so, because they were uh, uh, not supposed to own any land or houses, these places were provided for them, these special places. Nob was one of them. 
and David's abrupt departure from the palace made it impossible to uh, pack anything, and so it was not long before everybody was hungry, and everybody was tired, and everybody was weary and miserable. And here he comes into this special place called Nob, filled with special people, and and he asks the uh, Abathar when he gets in there, you got anything to eat? You got any bread? And Abathar says, no, uh, the only thing we got is show bread. But David and his men hate the show bread. How did that happen? How could a man that was considered just an everyday guy. Yeah, he was king, but he was no priest. He was no Levite. How is a guy who's just a normal, everyday guy going to be able to walk into a place, a special place with special people and special bread, and ask, you got any bread? No, we just got the show bread. But he ate it in. How did he do it? There were three things in David's life you got to understand. Three things. First, David had a purpose. God prepared a place for him. He was living his purpose. What? Running from the mad king? That was only part of his purpose. And you might think it's negative when you're going through hard times like David went through, and all it is is to get you where God wants you to go. Stop looking at the hard times in your life as something that tears you down. Start looking at it as something that he's going to get you where you need to be if you're following your purpose. Now, look, if you're only following your own will, deal with your stuff. Don't blame it on Jesus. Don't blame it on the pastor, although he's guilty of all kinds of things. God's against me. No, God's for you. You just got to start believing God's for me. What these problems are, are nothing more than to get me to start relying upon Him every bit more than I ever have. I, you know, I, I'm amazed at some people. They're like that sailor that goes out into the ocean and a storm comes up and he's out there in a storm and he hasn't talked to God for 20 years and, he's, and he knows he's in trouble and the boat's going to sink and so he gets out on the boat bar and he's on the bow of the boat and he's holding on and he says, Lord, Lord, if you'll just save me out of this mess right now, I won't bother you for another 20 years. Psycho babble. God won't put more on you than you can handle. God always puts more on you than you can handle. So you'll seek Him and ask Him, What do I do about this? David is running from a mad king who wants to spear him. He got no food, no clothes, no nothing. Got a few men with him. And he comes to a special place with special people and special provision. You can learn a lot about the provision of God by studying David. So David had a purpose. Everybody say had a purpose. God had 
already a place for him. The second thing David had going for him, he was on his journey. You see, let me tell you something. It's not where you're at that counts. It's what direction you're going. And even when you've taken a, a place where you're, you got a direction from God and you're walking in that direction, and it, it doesn't seem like it's anything but trouble, God has designed the trouble to make you triumph. And so David is on his journey. He has purpose, and he's on his journey. And there's one other thing David has. You know what it is? He's hungry. If you're fat and sassy, why should God feed you anything? When you get hungry for God. <laughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst at hungry, for they shall be filled. What are they going to be filled with? God's provision. How can you, who just you just go to church. That's what you do. You're a good person. You're a good church person. You're a good, you know, this stuff about ministers and saints. I'm the ministry. You're just the saints. Yeah. Do you know what saints means? Set apart to do the work of God in the earth. That's all you are. This idea of ministry here. Saints down there, where does that come from? I'll tell you where that comes from. It's a little rough. Is it okay if I tell you? Nicolaitans. Nico means to conquer. Laity means the common people. There's only one time that word is used in the Scripture, and it's in Revelation, and it's in the negative, that these are just the common folks, and that the ministry conquers them. And God says, I What's that word? I hate that doctrine. Everybody say, we're all called to minister. We're all called to serve. I'm not just a saint. I'm set apart by God to do his works in the earth. I'm a minister. How do people that are not priests, not Levites, not anything, get the provision of God? You got to be about your purpose. You got to be on your journey. And you got to be hungry. Anybody hungry for the things of God here tonight? You don't get revelation without hungering for it. 
know what the Church of Jesus Christ is built on? I know I'm going all kinds of ways before I get to my sermon here. Sorry, Sister Paul. She's going to tell me I went all kinds of ways before I got to my sermon. Do you know what the, the foundation of the Church of Christ is with? Remember? Well, yes, but watch this. Peter, uh, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And, 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 and some say this, some say that. So, but who do you say? And Peter stands up and he says, you know, Peter can be really good and really dumb. He reminds me of me. But Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus answer him? You remember? What? Wait, wait, no. He says something before that. Oh, yeah. You didn't get this out of your own brain. You didn't get this because you were so smart. You didn't get this because you have special knowledge. But what happened to you, God revealed it to you. Listen to me. And that God built his church on revelation. You see, some people say, well, it's the confession of Peter. No, it's the revelation of God to Peter that the church is built on. You don't get new revelation without being hungry for it. David broke all the rules, and God allowed him to break all the rules, and the people that were with him broke the rules because he was in his purpose, on his journey, and he was hungry. And Jesus tried to get the Pharisees to understand that you're all, you're all hyped up about the Sabbath day. But let me tell you about somebody that you know a lot about. His name is David. And he did worse than just pluck corns. He went in and got bread that was not supposed to be for anybody else but the priest. But God said, hey, if you've got your purpose and you're on your journey and you're hungry, you can ask God for provisions that were supposed to be for somebody else. And he will say, here, I'll give it to you instead. Oh, uh, oh, that's somebody bigger, better, smarter, uh, more, uh, more spiritual than I. No, if you got your purpose, if you got direction. Can, let me tell you something. Do you know why the children of Israel wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness? It was not because they didn't know the difference between north and south or east and west. In fact, it was not a directional problem. It was an inspirational problem. They were trying to figure it out, and they couldn't figure it out. Let's go this way. Let's go this way. Let's go this way. And all they had to do is stop and say, okay, God, here we are. Now where? I wonder how many people wander around in wilderness their entire life and never stop to ask God, where do I go from here? 
And so laying hold of God's provision, it just takes those requirements. You see, hungry means, it, it, there's another word they use for it, it's passion. Everybody say passion. And I'm going to be pretty bold here, so please excuse me for being bold. Passion happens when two young people are locked in a car in the dark in a parking place. Passion takes over. Now, those two young people may, when they're in around church, they might say, I'm not that kind of a person. I would never do that. I would never be involved in that. But you let passion start burning, mm. Mm. it becomes pretty iffy when passion is burning, whether you do that or not. Am I being too bold? Am I being too forward? I hope not. But passion can be a good thing. Passion can be when you can say, I'm not that kind of a person. I'm not that spiritual. I could never do that. That's so far beyond who I am. That's outside of the boundaries of my person. It's just I could never do that. But sometimes passion will push you beyond the borders of what you think and believe. And if you can get the passion for the things of God, you go beyond your walk today into something new, something great, something revelatory. But you gotta be hungry to get showbread. Bread not meant for you. Bread meant for someone else. And then Jesus goes and tells the disciples, when you pray, pray, give us this day. Can I, can I add a word there? Give us this day our daily showbread. It's what this is built on. This is built on revelation. It's about getting the provision of God, learning how to lay hold on it. And David, by the way, is a king. And you, by the way, have been made under God kings and priests. That's all you need to get hold, lay hold on God's promise. That's all you need. Just live your purpose. Be on your journey. And have some passion. I want it. You know what passion looks like? Passion looks like on Christmas Eve at Walmart and all the women trying to buy that one last item. That's passion. <laughs> I want what God has for me, and I'm willing to walk through anything, fight through anything, live through anything, so I can get what God has, maybe for somebody else, 
but it's now mine. Oh, but I'm just a saint, Brother Foster. You don't know who you are if you're just a saint. And if you have taken the bait from people saying all the time or treating you, maybe not verbally, but just treating you, you're just saints. You're just, you, you, that's all you are. You're just saints. You low-life saints, that's what that's really talking about. Me, I'm, I'm the minister. No, minister means servant of all. I've been very forward a lot today. Can I be a little bit more forward? Is this all right? Can I be a little bit more forward? Oh, yeah, some of you are looking like, oh, what's he going to tell me next? <laughs> you ready? Jesus called his disciples in. And before they sat down to supper, he took a towel and he wrapped it around him. And he got down and he washed every one of their feet. Because what happens in the old days, there are a lot of animals in the street. And you know what animals do. And your feet get filthy because you got sandals on. And so the lowest, the very lowest servant in the house, you know what he does? He stands at the door and anybody that comes in, they take their sandals off and what does he do? He washes their feet. Now I'm going to get bold. That was a lesson on what we should live as servants to people. And some people turn it into a tradition. Is that all right? It's the lesson. You see, a true king knows that his real job is to serve other people. Because kings rule and priests worship. He made us that way. I'd like you to stand. When you're all in, you're a candidate for the Holy Ghost and fire. And when you get the Holy Ghost and fire, then you can step in and start learning how to get the provision of God 
as long as you have purpose and you're following your See, that's what holiness means. I am separated to my purpose. That's what I'm separated to. Not to a bunch of rules and regulations. I'm set apart for a purpose. What is that purpose? To do the works of God in the earth. And when you know your purpose and you're on your journey, you're not just sitting back waiting for it to come to you. You're going after it. Uh, can I say it again? Wait not waiting for it to come to you. Going for after it. And sometimes the only reason a mad king is in your life is because that's the only thing that will get you on your journey. And once you do that, then all of a sudden, you'll find God's provision in the most unlikely places. You'll go, you'll find God's provision in an unauthorized place. A place you don't have any business being there. A place for special people more special than you. And that special bread that you're not supposed to have. But let me tell you, when you're after your purpose, when you're on your journey, you can ask God for provision and he'll supply it. I hope I haven't kept you too long. I hope I haven't angered anybody or upset anybody or, or offended anybody. I just believe God wants you blessed. I just believe God wants you supplied. I just believe God loves you more than anything else in the world. Once you're blessed, 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 blessed. He's got provision for you. Even though it looks like in a place that you don't belong. As they're singing, I just, I know we prayed, I know we worship, but I just, one more time, I just want to give somebody an opportunity to say, there's been something I've been needing. There's something that I need. There's a provision I don't have. And I know God's got it for me. And tonight, I'm going to start following my purpose. I'm going to start living holy. I'm going to start living, amen, separated to my purpose. I'm going to get up and go after it. I'm not going to sit and wait for it to come to me, but I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to pursue the truth. I'm going to pursue what God has for me. I'm going to pursue the bread. I'm going to pursue what God has for me. I'm going to pursue my God's provision. As I pray in Jesus' name.
And if you're hungry, my vision if you're hungry, over my family, I'm not looking for a lot of people. Country, I'm looking for one or two. City, I'm just looking for one or two. Jericho I don't. I'm not looking for all, just one or two. Who? Who is it? Who is it that? That's looking for the provision of God. That you haven't got something in God. You know God wants to give it to you. Is there anybody here? Just a few. Just a few. Not the whole group. Just a few. You know who you are. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's one. There's one. There's two. Anybody else? There's three. There's three. There's four. There's five. There's six. There's seven. Provision. Provision. God's provision. Unlawful purpose. I speak in Jesus. The kind you're not supposed to have. I see my sin resurrected. Cause I pray in Jesus' name. My vision starts to change over my family, my country, my city. Come and heal the 
That there is somebody here yes, that needs that. the balm of Gilead. Yes, I agree. You have been hurt very deeply. <sighs> and the harder you work at trying to get over it, the more you get under it, and the heavier it becomes. trying to live with it, but it ain't livable. So, if you start singing again, folks, and just, if you're looking for the balm of Gilead, I want to pray for you and just, we're going to sing. If you can't, if you can't make it here, I'm going to pray for you. If you can't get out of yourself, can't do it. I got it. I understand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask God to touch the hurt in you. God, God to transform you. To provide for you. To save that at least you can stop hurting as much. You may not be delivered, but you just won't hurt as much.
I'm gonna give all myself. I give all myself to you. Church, if you're not praying, sing with us. Here I am, O oh Lord, yes. Here I am. Come on, from the bottom of your Lord heart. Here I am, O oh Lord. Here I am. I give all myself to you, O oh Lord. I give all. Come on, church, sing with us. I give all to you. Here I am. Here I am. Oh, yeah, we're going to sing it again. Here I am, oh Lord, yeah. Here I am, Lord, yes. Here I am. Let your spirit the bottom we of your close heart. this service tonight would you just sing this song I open your heart to God myself to you what a healthy exercise say Lord there's nothing I'm withholding nothing here I again with no music now here I am together as a church here I am Lord come on sing here I am come from the bottom of your heart I give all myself to
you. You open your heart, your spirit to the Lord tonight. I just feel like the Lord has ministered. He's given us new perspective, enlarged our purpose by allowing us to know that we are capable, we are called, we are enabled by the Lord. So thankful that you and I can be a part of God's kingdom today without waiting for heaven. For the kingdom of heaven is here now. We're, we're building it now. Amen. Brother Foster, tell us about your message Sunday morning because I want the folks to be able to, to uh, know that they will be back. I want to let everybody know that I've got a message for Sunday morning that I hope if you can't make it, you'll, you'll watch it. But it was something that uh, was kind of revelatory for me. But I'm going to be preaching about the greatest witness possible. The greatest witness possible. So if if I could invite you back, and again, it's a different track than you've ever heard before, but it's true, it's right, it's Bible. It's something that people have argued about for my entire life, about these certain words Jesus used. All kinds of ideas of what it meant. But I, I just want to invite you back on Sunday. I know if you have your own church, that's fine. But if, if you uh, would take time to be here, I believe that you're going to learn something that it blew me away when I got it. <laughs> and it will probably blow you away too. But let me invite you to come back and be with us. God bless you. All right, we're going to shut this down because we are getting you to move right over here next door to our fellowship hall. <coughs> Pardon me. And we have pizza there calling your name and wanting you to come over there and enjoy it. And um, please come and enjoy it. Get it while it's warm. And I'm going to pray for you right now that the Lord bless the food. Lord Jesus, thank you for each and every one for the incredible word of life you've given us tonight. I pray that you bless the food we're about to eat, the fellowship you've allowed us to be a part of and have. I pray that you bless it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.